So good to see you all, and as um, Michael said, we are thrilled that you are here if it's the first time, or if you're a regular in coming. You know, while I was uh, listening to Michael uh, talk to us about the tithes and offerings, I had something happen that um, I feel I've got to uh, do right now before I get into my message. I felt the Lord speaking to my heart and saying this, that there may be people here this morning that when we got to the offering, you were embarrassed because you had nothing to put in the offering. And um, I, I want you to know that um, God's not beating you up on that. And he sees your heart that you really wanted to give. And, and so I want to do something, uh, and I can only go so far on this, but um, if, if I, and you need to be honest with me right, right, right now. I want you to be honest. Uh, and that is that if you were here and um, you felt I should have put something in the offering bucket, I want, can you get me an offering bucket from the back there and just put it on? But I, I felt God say that I had to give you money to put in the offering bucket. Now, I haven't got a lot of money, but I've got a little bit. And so if you're here this morning, you say, you know, Pastor, I wanted to give. I wanted to put money in the bucket, but I didn't have money to give, to be honest. Will you have the courage right now to just come up the front here? And uh, I, I want to give you the money to put into the bucket. And listen, listen. I believe that people who give are blessed. I don't believe that we give to get blessed. I don't think it works like that. But I know that people who give are blessed. And I'd hate you to be here and say, I had nothing, nothing to put into the bucket. And um, I really wanted to. And... Um, is that you? somebody else. Oh, people are still coming with money. I'm not going to. All right. Well, bless you. and I wanted to. Yeah, God bless you. Anyone? Is there one more? No? Okay, I'm going to put it in for you. There is one more, actually. Come on, Say that again. I will come down. It's going to take me a while, though. I got a broken leg. I'm on crutches. 
Hey, well, come down. We'll pray for you to be healed, too. house and this body, we believe in divine healing, God healing, in Jesus' name, be healed in Jesus' name, amen. sit down, if you loosen off that um, leg thing that you got on, you may find an absolute surprise that God has healed you. Unbelievable God. Amen. Well, that wasn't planned, but how many know God has a plan? Now, we're starting out on a series, started last week and um, now into the second week, a series that's leading up to Easter. Can you believe that Easter is just about five weeks, I think, four or five weeks away? Uh, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? But it's, um, it's coming. 
And uh, we're going to be at the Civic Center for Easter. We're going to have one big service at the Civic Center. Um, and it's going to be an amazing time. I felt the Lord leading me to look at the sayings of Jesus when he was on the cross. There are seven things that he said just prior to him, as the Bible put it, giving up the ghost and, and giving his life as a ransom for us. And so um, we're looking actually at the words of our master on what was undoubtedly the worst day of his life on earth. Uh, he, to gain insight, insight as to what I'm going to look at today, I want you to understand that he was showing us not only how to survive our worst day, but to thrive on our worst day. And the fact was that he brought out some remarkable words as he spoke to one of the criminals that were crucified on either side of him. Jesus was on the middle cross on either side with two criminals um, that were um, dying as well for their crimes. And, um, and, and what Jesus was showing us is that in the time of our worst day, we can help those who are going through their worst day. And so let's look at the words that were spoken here. Remarkable words of Jesus. It says in Luke 23, 39-43. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God, even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today, you will be with me in paradise. I want you to see that Jesus took time in the midst of his own worst day and the time of his own suffering to help a guy that was going through exactly the same as what he was going through. In fact, what happened there got so ingrained into the disciples that now it became part of their lives and when you come to the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, listen to what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and 3, uh, verse 3 and 4. It says, what a wonderful God we have. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort that God has given to us. And so on the cross, Jesus was illustrating, showing that we are never to be so consumed with our own problems that we fail to see that when we go through our worst day, it will serve us well to help those who are going through similar things that are around us. 
Did you know that care for others is something that we are born with? The baby in the womb is aware of the world outside and the feelings of the mother. It is aware of the mother's feelings and all that is happening outside. Once the baby is born, it is now sensitive to the world of joy and pain. And this sensitivity is not something that has to be learned. It is naturally in every baby that is born. It is they get to a place of understanding, care and love for others. The fact is that we have to learn not to care, learn not to love, learn not to help others. It is a learned thing that comes along life's journey when we now become selfish and we think of our own needs over the needs of others. Now as I look at Jesus on the cross and him now beginning to help this guy going through the same stuff, I want you to notice first of all that it was evident that Jesus felt this man's pain. This, of course, is so evident as they were suffering the same death, going through the same agonies. But, you know, there is more to this than the pain of the nails. There is more to this than the pain of difficulty to breathe. Most people who died on the cross, they died from suffocation more than anything else. The whole terribleness of crucifixion took effect on their bodies but also there was mental pain and there was spiritual pain and these men were going through this mental and spiritual pain and I want you to see this morning that Jesus identified with this man's rejection to hang on the cross meant that you were now being rejected from living another day on earth. The thief was being told by society around him, we reject you. How many know rejection is a terrible thing? To feel unloved, to feel unwanted. But Jesus knew exactly what this man was going through and what he was feeling. You know, it was said of Jesus early in his life in John chapter 1 and verses 9 through 11. It reads later on, the one who is the true light arrived to shine on everyone coming into the world. That's Jesus. But although he made the world, the world didn't recognize him when he came. Even in his own land and among his own people, the Jews, he was not accepted. Only a few would welcome and receive him. And so Jesus knew what this guy was going through because Jesus himself had been rejected. And he understands how everyone feels who feels rejected. He understands what you're going through. He understands what is happening when you are in this place of rejection. You know, Jesus was looked on as the friend of sinners. He was looked on as the friend of rejected people. The catalogue of people that he helped, who he turned round and helped while others were passing them by. People like a prostitute, people like the wealthy exploiter, 
People like a demon-possessed woman. People like a Roman soldier who everyone detested. People like the Samaritan man with running sores. People like the Samaritan lady who had several husbands. And, and, uh, and Jesus took time to talk to her. People like the rich, young, arrogant ruler. It was that Jesus had time for everyone. Even though the world was rejecting them, he had time for them. One commentator said this with regard to Jesus. He said, Jesus loved harlots and bullies and ruffians. He saw through the crust of sin's devastation and he saw the divine original. He saw what God had originally made that person for. I love that, friends. The divine original. Uh, so much has messed up your life, maybe. So much stuff has come into your life by your upbringing, by the things that have happened in your life, the way that people have treated you in your life. And it is that you've walked in here this morning, and it is that there's a load of stuff in your life. But Jesus is here this morning, and he's looking down through all that stuff, and he sees the divine original. He sees who God intended you to be. He sees the person that God intended you to be. When you were formed in the womb, you were formed with a plan that God had for your life. And although there's been stuff that has got into your life, and although it has been that all that potential of your life has been crushed down, I want you to know that God through Jesus is looking into your life and saying your best days are not in the past, they're in the future. He is looking at your life and saying that divine original, God is still at work and he wants to bring out what he planned for you before the days you were born. He wants to pick you up where you are and cause you to see that he has a plan for your future. He, he sees the divine original. And so it is that Jesus identified with this man and he identified with his rejection. Not only that friends, he identified with this man's devaluation. You know, rejection makes you feel devalued. Society was saying to the three that were on the cross there, you are of no value to us. The crowd and the society around the cross were saying to Jesus and the two criminals, we see no future value in you. So Jesus identified with the thief, but was saying this, the world may see no value in you, but you're valuable to me. And he said, you're so valuable, you are going to be with me in paradise forever. He said, that's the value that I put upon you. You see, the world may see no value in you this morning. Or the world may value you only for the time that they can use you. The world would value you just for the time where you are, uh, are now able to help them uh, or where you are helping them get on. And, and as soon as that's all done, they now reject you and they push you to a side and now they devalue you and say you are no value. 
your value to me has come to an end. Maybe you're here today and right now you're just excess baggage to someone or excess baggage to a company or a job. You feel unwanted and you feel unloved. I want you to know that Jesus knows exactly how you feel. He he can identify with your sense of being rejected and devalued. Not, Not only that, as you look at this scripture, you find this, that it came to a moment where Jesus identified with this man's sin. Now, you say, well, could Jesus identify with this man's sin? And I have to tell you, yes, he could. But you say, well, Jesus was sinless. He never sinned. How could he identify with this guy's sin when he had never sinned? And it's a great question. But but listen to this. This is a verse found in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. Listen to what it says. Listen carefully. God made him who knew no sin. To be sin for us. Oh, let it drop, friends. It's got to drop from your head to your heart. It's about 18 inches. It's got to get down. That that it is that God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that on the cross, Jesus took not only this man's sin, but he took our sin as well. On the cross, listen, listen, on the cross, Jesus was a sinner. He was a sinner dying for sin, not because of his own sin, because he never sinned, but the sin of the whole of the world, the whole of the world back then, the whole of the world before, the whole of the world to come. I want to tell you all the sin of mankind was rolled on my Savior and He took my sin and my sorrow and He made them His very own. This man's sin, this thief's sin, separated him from mankind. His sin was the cause of his rejection. His sin was the cause of his devaluation. Jesus says, I not only identify, but right now I make the choice to take the eternal punishment for your sin. And what he said to the thief is the same as he says to me and the same that he says to you. It is that he says that your rejection and your devaluation and all the stuff that has gone on in your life, maybe that even tied down to the sins that you have committed. But he wants you to know that he's taken the eternal punishment for your sin. You may feel the worst of sinners here today, but in truth, friends, the worst of sinners died on the cross. His name is Jesus. The worst of sinners because he took the whole of mankind's sin upon himself. And he paid the price. He took the eternal punishment for sin upon his own shoulders. Such was his love for mankind. Such was his love for you and for me. 
It became the very thing that was taking us to hell. Jesus became, he took it on himself. He became our substitute. And he now took on the sin of mankind, took the punishment for mankind's sin. He died in our place as a sinner. And he made it possible for us to be justified, which means just as if we'd never sinned. He did that for us on the cross of Calvary. Hey, listen, no one has ever loved you like he loves you. No one has ever loved us like he loves us. No one has ever cared for us like Jesus has cared for us. No one has ever stooped so low to pick someone up as what this Savior did. What a friend, what a saviour, what a king, what a lover. Jesus, a lover of our soul. Oh, there's one other thing. He identified with the man's curse. The Old Testament says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that thief hanging on the cross is a cursed man. But look at this verse. This is found in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Written by the Apostle Paul years later. He said, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And so Jesus became on that cross. He became a cursed man. By taking my curse and your curse. And he took our curse on the tree. Now there are people here today, up on the balcony, down here. You may be hiding away under the balcony. I can see you back there. <laughs> but, but you feel that you're living your life under a curse. You feel every move you take, you're under a curse. It seems there's something dogging your steps all the time. It seems as if, as if you can't break through. It seems, and it's because you just sense there's a curse on your life. Many of you, many of you have been condemned to live under curses that were laid on you in generations gone by. Maybe by your parents or grandparents, maybe by your family members, whoever they are. It may have been your educators, it may have been a peer group that you belong to. It may have been others who were in authority over you. They cursed you and said, you won't amount to anything. You're just useless, you'll not amount to anything. Curses that says, you're a nobody and a nothing and always will be. Curses. Curses that said... You weren't wanted, you know. They never really wanted you. Your parents didn't want you. You were a little surprise that came along. And you have felt, I've never been wanted and I've never felt wanted. And it's a curse that has been spoken into your life. Curses that said, you are stupid, you're unintelligent, and you're never going to make anything of your life. You know, a few years ago... I went back to the UK and I ran into a teacher who when I was a, 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 about 12, 13, 14, I can't remember what, but he, he was a geography teacher that I had. 
And he said to me, you will never, ever make anything of your life. <laughs> I ran into him a few years ago. And, and actually, it was a special time they put on in the UK. We'd gone back in a special time. And, and, um, and, and he'd come out to see me. And, and, I, and I, I said to him, do you remember? Do you remember telling me that I was never going to make anything of my life? I was stupid, unintelligent. I'm never going to make anything of my life. Do you remember saying that? And he said, I've come today because I've never forgot saying that. And I need you to forgive me. And he began to weep and weep and weep. And say, I'm so proud of what God has done in your life. But you, you may have had curses that have left you feeling unloved, unwanted, uncursed. And it's cursing every part of what you try to do and the way you go. It is that you are cursed in your thinking now because of the curses that were put over your life. It may be that you feel cursed because of decisions that you made that were bad decisions. And you feel, I'm never going to get out of this addiction and I'm never going to get out of this bankruptcy and I'm never going to get out of this and never get out of that and it's because you made decisions back then that are cursing your life right now. Maybe that you feel cursed. Because maybe you feel you chose the wrong partner. And it all went wrong. Maybe it is that you chose the wrong career. It just well all went wrong. Decisions that you made that have cursed your life. And so you may be here today and you're feeling cursed. Your life is cursed. But I want to tell you, you're sitting in a room of people, you're sitting with hundreds of people here right now who, like you, have felt their lives were cursed, had the same feelings that you are feeling, but they have proven that Jesus has the power to redeem us from every curse. And become and, and, and everything that has come upon us. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because on the cross, Jesus took your curse. He took your place. And this is what we have proven. Let me give you a verse or two that will show you what we have proven. Galatians 3.14 says, He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come on to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. And, and so here it is. Jesus wants to now bring you to a place where your curse is turned into a blessing. Amen. Can I say that again? Because some of you are just rippling some approval of that. But how many of you hear and you say, Jesus turned my curse into a blessing? Hey, hey, hold on, hold on. Jesus is worthy more than, of more than a half little clap, all right? If you're going to clap, clap, all right? Give him praise for what he's done. 
was said there by the Apostle Paul. He says that the blessings given to Abraham. Listen to what the blessings given to Abraham was. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Genesis chapter 12. And it says in verse 2 and 3. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you. I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Oh, my brothers and sisters, people here this morning, he wants to turn your curse into a blessing. I just had this drop into my heart, so there's someone here, and, and um, you're always sick. <laughs> Had a sound effect put in there. You're always sick. And, and, and it is that um, if the truth is known, you're a hypochondriac. You like being sick. It's helpful for you to be sick. I feel God saying to me today, you are self-cursing yourself. And he wants to break that off you. He wants you to be well and healthy and not allowing your mind to make you sick. Because it's your mind that's making you sick. God wants to break that off you today. In the name of Jesus. Father, in your name, whoever that is intended for, I pray right now. That you will break the lies of the devil. That you will, oh God, bring out the full potential of this person. That they will no longer live in a, in a place of always looking to be sick or feeling sick. And allowing their mind to tell them they're sick. I break that curse in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Now quickly. Jesus finally accepted this man's confession. Do you remember there was two thieves there? And the, and the one thief challenged Jesus and ridiculed him. And the thief, the other thief who Jesus says, you'll be with me in paradise. You, you know, he, he, he came back. At the, and so they were talking across Jesus to one another. And, and this is what it said. that the, the thief who was now talking to Jesus and believing Jesus, he says to the other thief, don't you fear God, he says, since you're under the same sentence. He says, we, we are punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man pointed at Jesus. Well, he didn't actually point. <laughs> he couldn't. He was crucified. Joke, friends. <laughs> but, but he said, this man has done nothing wrong. Then that thief turned to Jesus the one who was putting his faith in Jesus, and he said these remarkable words, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. But he said, we, we're being punished justly. We're getting out what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. This was the most important moment in the whole story, friends. I believe that if this man had not said these words, he would be in hell today and not in heaven. If he had not come to Jesus and he said, look, we know that we've sinned. We've known we've done wrong. We've known we've kept God out of our lives and we've been into sin and we're suffering justly for what we've done. 
If he had not made that confession, I don't believe he would have been in heaven today. He had to make a confession of his sin. He confessed his wrong. He said, we're punished justly. You know, the Bible says this, without a confession of sin, there can be no forgiveness. And so, and so many of us here have known this, that we've had to come to Jesus. And we've asked him, oh Jesus, forgive our sin. We know we're sinners. See, we don't want you attending this church thinking that because you come to this church, that you are automatically a Christian. You know, this week, one of the greatest leaders in this nation passed into his eternal reward. His name was Billy Graham. And, um, you know, you know um, the effect that Billy Graham had on the UK was remarkable. You know, I've just been watching a series, I think it's on Netflix, uh, called The Crown. And it's the story of Queen Elizabeth, our present queen. And, um, and, and it, I was watching it and I couldn't believe it. There came to a time in about 1954, it was a, being dramatically shown. And, um, and Billy Graham came to the UK. And, and it showed the queen and her mother watching Billy Graham on a little television set. And she said, I want to meet Billy Graham. And so it was arranged that Billy Graham should go to the palace. And it's all in the story there. And Billy Graham meets with her. And she begins to ask him questions about faith. And friends, before it was over, Billy Graham had led our queen to Jesus Christ. You know what he said? He said on one occasion, he said, because you live in a garage, that doesn't make you a car. And because you come to church, that doesn't make you a Christian. You've got to come to a place of confessing your sin. You've got to come to a place where now you admit your sin. And the major sin that we've committed, friends, is that we've kept God out of our lives. We've not allowed God to rule our lives. We've lived our lives as if He hasn't existed. We've lived our lives and said, we don't want you ruling our lives. And we've kicked God out of our lives. And that is the sin that will take you to hell. When you reject God... You say you're not going to rule over me, even though he formed you in the womb, even though he is the creator of everything. When you reject him, that is the sin that will take you to hell. And that's the sin that Jesus died for on the cross. So he confessed his sin, but he did one other thing as well. He threw himself on the mercy of God, did this thief. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He was saying, Jesus, I can't save myself. He was saying, Jesus, I can't help myself. I'm just throwing myself on your mercy. Mercy means undeserved love. I'm throwing myself on your mercy, God. I know I deserve to go to hell. I know I deserve to be in the caverns of the damned. But Jesus, I'm not coming for what I deserve. I'm coming for mercy. Have mercy on me. 
I know what I deserve. I know what I've done. I confess what I've done. But Jesus, have mercy on me and forgive me. I want to tell you that Jesus never ever rejected a sincere confessing seeker. And he assured him, he said, you are going to be safe forever. Today, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Very quickly, friends, you know, just before Jesus ascended, you know, he rose from the dead and then he was on a mountaintop with all his disciples and then he was caught up in a cloud. He ascended into heaven. Before that happened, he said to his disciples, he says, listen, I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will surely come again and take you there. And so he was basically saying, you have my word on it. He says, you have my word that I am going to prepare a place for you. And Christians live with this hope and the assurance that Jesus could come back any day and take us to be with himself. We live with this hope and the belief that any day Jesus could come. For years and 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 even years and years and years and years. I woke up every day saying it could be today. It could be today. See, I live my life as if Jesus could come today and I plan it as if he's not going to come in my lifetime. But I'm ready for him to come today. And the fact is that now we live with this absolute truth that he has said, you've got my word. Whether it's by the undertaker or the uppertaker, I'm going to take you to be with myself. Whether it's by the grave or whether it's by the oven these days, the cremation thing, or, or, whether, or whether it is that you are just fed to the cows. I don't care what happens to your body afterwards. It's still going to rise from the dead. You're going to be with me forever and we will be forever with the Lord. See, Christians have lost the fear of death. Oh, oh don't get me wrong. I, I, I do concern myself of how it might happen. I don't want to be hit by a Mack truck, that, to be honest with you. But we don't fear death. Do you know why? We're never going to die. Oh no, oh no, the Bible is very clear. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8, absent from the body, present with the Lord. It is that we know the minute we stop breathing on earth, we'll begin to breathe in heaven's air. You need to know that Christians are not immune from the same pains of life that the rest of human population has to go through. We face the same agitations in life as non-Christians do. We have to pay bills and work for a living. We face similar ill winds blowing into our life and into our family and to our friends. We face disappointments at times and, and there are letdowns at times. There is sickness and death that comes and visits every family, whether they are Christian or non-Christian. But we are different. 
We know that this is not all that there is. We know that this life is not all that there is. Jesus says there's more to life than all that there is down here. Because there is eternal life. Life after death. Oh no, no, no. Life after life. Christians never die. Today, Mr. Thief on the cross, you will be with me in paradise. I love that, friends. Today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. He says, today you will be with me. You may have come in here this morning totally lonely. May have come in here this morning and just carry a load of loneliness. I want to tell you, you can leave here and never be lonely again. Because Jesus is coming home with you. He wants to walk with you and talk with you and be in your life. And he wants to walk through this life right into the next life. He wants you in heaven one day. Hey, did you know that? Jesus wants you in heaven one day. Tap the one next to you and say, listen to this. Jesus wants you in heaven one day. Hey, did you not know he is gone to prepare a place for you? He is gone to prepare a place for you. Hey, hey, he wants you in heaven with him one day. So he's not only going to walk through life with you, he is making a place for you. He's already got your picture on his refrigerator. That's what he thinks of you. He wants you to know him today. you may have come in here this morning and you've been under a load of rejection and devaluation feel not loved you know you know you're a sinner you know you've kept Jesus out of your life you know you've been walking under the curse of life the curses that have come upon your life hey this is the truth Jesus has been there and lived through that He knows what you're going through. He knows the pain that you're going through. He knows what you are feeling. Right in this room this morning are people who can tell you they've been where you are. And they have proven the love of Jesus to meet every one of their needs. They have known the love of Jesus to come into their rejected soul. The love of Jesus to come into their devalued feelings. The love of Jesus to come and forgive their sin. The love of Jesus to lift their curses and change them into blessing. Hey, we're not Bible-punching fanatics here, friends. We are broken people that Jesus has glued back together and given us a brand new life this morning. He identifies with where you're at, your pain, your heartache, your fears, your torments, your insecurities, your failures. Hey, listen, we know, we know that Jesus can help you. He wants to meet you right at the point of your need. So here's my challenge. Will you confess? That you have kept Jesus at a distance. That you've kept God out of your life. That you said, I'm going to rule my own life. I'm going to do my own thing. I I don't want you in my life, God. I want to live my life. And you know living your life your way. You've messed up. 
loads of stuff has come into your life and wrecked you. This morning, having confessed that, if you will confess that, Jesus will come and forgive that. If you this morning will throw yourself on the mercy of God and say, I don't deserve forgiveness, I don't deserve your love, I don't deserve anything from your hand, but I don't come for what I deserve, I come for mercy, mercy, mercy. Jesus lifts up your head and said, I'm going to have mercy on you. You're forgiven, you're set free, you've got a brand new life. Let me ask this question very quickly before we close. How many Christians here today will honestly say, Jesus stepped into my life. He took away the feelings of rejection. He took away the feelings of devaluation. He took away my sin. He saved me from my sin. How many, how many are out there? And, and you say... And you say, hey, hey, Jesus has lifted the curse of my life. He's lifted the curse of my life. Put your hands up. Put your hands up if that's you. Now I'm creeping up on you. Because listen, how dare we? How dare we not tell other people about him? How dare we keep silent about what he's done in our life? How dare we live as if it doesn't matter if people go to hell. I'm all right. I'm going to heaven. I've got my ticket to prove it. How dare we do that? I have a challenge. I have a challenge to this church. I challenge you to pick up this absolute call of Jesus. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. I I challenge you. I challenge you to seek every month in the remainder of this year to bring at least one person to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if not that, that you'll bring them to church so that they can come to a place of forgiveness. I challenge every Christian to now say, I'm not going to be silent any longer. By the power of God and by the power of Holy Spirit, I am going to seek to tell people about Jesus. See them come. So I'm going to ask that we bow in prayer and ask the prayer team to come forward right now, if you will. And while we bow in prayer, if you're here this morning and you say, you know, hey, listen, I I know I'm carrying rejection. I feel devalued. Really, if I'm honest, I've never asked Jesus to forgive my past. I've never asked him to forgive my sin. And you say, I'm under a curse. I'm under a curse. You can't leave here the same as when you came in. And so if that's you, I want you to do something for me right now. It's going to take a lot of courage, but I want you to do it. Whether you're in the balcony or whether you're downstairs, if you say, John, I need God, I need Jesus in my life, I need him to come to deal with my rejection and my devaluation, I need him to come and forgive my sin, I need him to lift the curse on my life. If that's you, I want you to stand where you are right now. Can you do that? God bless you. That's right, be honest. God bless you. Yeah, I see you in the balcony. Is there any others? Yes, God bless you. 
That's right, don't be afraid. Right now, Jesus is coming close to where you are. He's saying, I want to give you a brand new start. I want to change your life forever. If that's you, stand right now. You say, yes, I want to open my heart to Jesus. Hey, listen, if you're in the balcony, I want you to do me a great favor. I want you to make your way down here. And if you're standing right now, and even if you're carrying your baby, bring them. I want you to come to the front and just stand here. And and I don't want you to start praying with them until I've finished, okay? So will you please come forward right now? Come. These are friends. Hey, I'll come down and meet you. Please come. That's right, if you're coming out of the balcony, I should get up out of my seat right now and join this crowd in the front. If there's anything in you that's saying that, get up right now and come. Listen to your heart. Listen to God knocking on the hearts. Your hearts know. That's great. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Hey, hey, folk, turn to the ones next to you and say, if you want me to go up with you, I'll go with you. Even if you know that people don't take it for granted, say to the people next to you, They will bring you a second. 